In the world of special effects makeup, two of the luckiest bastards I've ever met. I've never met these guys. Yeah, sure you have. When, when, did, when did I meet them? It was one of those stupid makeup shows. All right. Here's another episode of Battles with Bits of Rubber with Stuart and Todd, who I am told I have met. <laughs> So here we are, still on the catio in Colorado. It's a nice, nice uh, August morning. It's still a little cool this morning. Mm. It's going to get hot, but right now it's not even 70 degrees yet. Which is quite nice. It feels great. The sun's coming through the trees. You hear the birds chirping. The birds birding, the bees being, and the creature kid. Creaturing. Creaturing. <laughs> So yeah, yesterday we went to see uh, Adam Doherty up in uh, his workshop in Colorado. Yep, in Arvada. Nice workshop. And he spent a decade in, I mean, he's done quite a lot for being as young as he is. Yes, um, I'll put in the show notes a link to his IMDb. And there's a couple of videos as well that I want you to check out because uh, he did a, a really good video with ADI on their website. I put the link to yeah, it. Yeah, because he, he worked with ADI for a while. He, he was a Disney Imagineer. Um, and he was in LA doing doing the thing for about 10 years and did what he set out to do and a year ago moved back to Colorado where he's where he grew up and opened his own shop to do to tell his stories yeah to not do things for other people anymore to do what he wants to do and it's amazing he's really big on um, education he wants to do things for kids yeah you know, he's, he loves children's books. He wants to do things that look like children's books. You know, he's, he's a huge fan of, of Jim Henson. Yeah, that comes through. It's that joy of it, I think. That's the thing. He's got yeah. a real joy for that kind of stuff. And so many of us that do, you know, make up things are into horror and dark things yeah. and yeah. moody stuff. And he's really all about the light and the, yeah. as well as the creepy like stuff. In, like innocence, but yeah, not in a... In a not in a frivolous way in any kind of like we said how uh, I think the monsters was a good analogy of how yeah. how it might think you know the monsters is the original monster show it's kind of horror themed but it's kind of warm and friendly and it feels kind of safe yeah there's nothing scary about the even monsters. though it's a horror themed thing and it's done well the makeups are fantastic the sets are great you know what I mean it's all yeah. good but yeah but it's sort of horror themed but it's it's not upsetting it's not I spit on your grave or do you know what I mean? it's, yeah, not it's a all treated in a very natural way it's not torture porn it's you know it's it's kind of it's, it's, it's a lovely thing and it's quite refreshing to see that and mm -hmm. he, what was interesting is how he felt about the whole Henson's thing with the puppets and that and he's right you don't see much of that around yeah uh, most people don't have a taste for sort of hand operated puppets and things you don't really see it yeah, so but story, Avenue Q maybe which so was the good. stories he wants to tell you know they have live action elements to them but he's very much into stop motion animation and puppetry mm. and that kind of is maybe sometime down the road when you think of Creature Kid it'll be in the same light that you think about Henson I hope so man. I think I think that's how driven he is I think that's how good he is yeah I mean have a listen to see if you think and, and check out those videos I mean I think I, I can I can sound a bit gushy at times because I'm, I'm genuinely impressed with the sincerity of what he's trying to do the quality of his work 
is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no there's no bluster and bullshit about it. You know, no. we've all worked with people who are all right, but like their marketing budget is bigger than their actual fucking product. This is the complete reversal. I mean, he's done a good job of promoting the things he's doing on Kickstarter because he's making short films. But honestly, the stuff that's in it and the and the way he goes about it, it's so impressive, and I really think it deserves people's attention. Yeah, and I said this one we were talking to him is when I when I first met Adam shortly after he moved back here because um, he reached out to me. And I said, yeah, I want to meet all the other uh, effects people in the area. I said, yeah, cool, welcome, welcome back. <laughs> and I went over to the shop, and they were in full operation mode, building the puppets for this this film that they finished not too long ago. And when you say puppets, some of them are puppet size, but some of them are some of them are huge, huge you know, <laughs> no. 10, 10, 12 feet tall, yeah. squatting down. Yeah. Um, and I saw these gorgeous sculptures and some some test casts of the puppets that they're that are really cool and uh, the designs were neat but how they were fitting into this storyline of this this movie that they were going to be part of didn't click with me yet then we saw the trailer that or the sizzle reel that uh, that the director uh andrew bauer had put together with everything working in tandem you know the cinematography and the, the act the live action actors and and the puppets together yeah all the gags it was like holy shit this is amazing yeah it's and you don't see that kind of joyous thing everything's done so seriously so so everything in this movie i mean i think there's going to be some digital stuff in it yeah but there's enough practical elements in there but it's mostly practical yeah it's 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 really lovely to see but it's also nice to see someone who's younger making this happen Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do honestly wish him the very best, and I, I can't see any reason why he won't, you know, go on to do even greater things because he's. It seems to be what what I like about it as well, though, is you can hear how he explains how he does. Like, this is a feeling that I had when I looked at his stuff: is you feel inadequate because you look at how good his stuff is, mm-hmm. but then when you talk to him, like with most people, it's not that. The, the, the way that you absorb easily someone's finished work is not the same how they feel when they're creating it. It's, yeah, he it's, thinks he's lazy. He thinks he's lazy and, and, and you know, he, he, like everybody else. And we, we talk about this and it's like, it's, it's really good when people who, who a lot of people would, would look to can say how they feel, whether they feel vulnerable, they don't know if they can do this or they feel lazy because that's what most people feel. And that stops them from trying because they think they haven't got what it takes. And it's like, no, that's... that's you can have that and still do stuff. It's not, oh, because I feel this way, that means I'm not able to do mm-hmm. it. And I re- that's such a positive thing because we all feel like that at times. Yeah. So, so here's our podcast with Adam Darty, the Creature Kid. Oh, I'm a little envious about the mudlarking. That sounds like a blast. How long so are you going to be there? Excited. I'm there for 10 days. Cool, man. Excellent. Yeah, I have a few friends. Gus, the mechanic, he's out there for an internship. For oh, six months out. working at a 3D printing company. I have another friend who's like a showrunner at a stop motion commercial place. So I was going to go visit them. Well, there's a ton of production, you know. You make the rounds. As yeah. yeah they're, build, they're on schedule of building something like 2.5 million square feet of new studio space. Really? Yeah. That's how much production is All going on. All Star Wars. <laughs> you can keep it I'll pick up the nice delicious crumbs nobody else wants and that's worked out well for the past couple of years I mean the yeah. whole pandemic I've been busy just doing oh, yeah. when I was over in November uh, I went over to to teach at um, Falmouth Uni uh, 
for a couple of days and then went up north and met Stuart for uh, the prosthetics event mm. in Coventry. Mm, and, a, and after the prosthetics event, we both went to University of Bolton for a couple of days. And good. then I went back down to Stuart's house and we had a week. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little over, I think. Just over a week, maybe maybe 10 days yeah. to just dumb around in his shop and we went to the Portsmouth Navy Yard and went to the, the Mary uh, Rose Museum yeah. and we toured the Victory and it, it was, you know, we're both yeah. British Navy fans so we get awesome. to see all this it's really, really cool man. shit. Yeah. Uh, but we went over to Pinewood because Stuart had to pick up uh, his his rap gift at the studio and <laughs> no sooner did we leave from right where we were picking up his stuff the place burned down. Yeah. Really? It was a big fire. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, what did you do? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> People are, somebody's going to come knocking. <laughs> see old friends. Yeah, you were taking pictures. Yeah, I was taking pictures. Taking pictures. Oh, <laughs> wow. there's, there's Disney ninjas everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so, so far, you know, coast is clear. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, man. That's crazy. That's cool. Well, it's nice to be in your workshop. I always like to do chats in the workshop because you're around the things and you can point to stuff and yeah you know, it's just a work in space it's definitely a work uh space i'm working on it's getting there though how yeah. long have you been in here it's been a year and you hit the ground running i guess when you moved in yeah yeah so we we moved in last august and uh but we did the first two months of the onyx build out of my mom's garage um up up 10 minutes up north and then uh so we had, uh, it was me and three other people working out of my mom's garage, and then uh, during the summer, running silicones and stuff, so actually we had to run silicone in the basement in my bedroom because it was the only cold place, so the silicone wasn't setting up immediately. Yeah. Um, incredibly embarrassing for a first-time business owner to be like, all right, guys, just let's sit on my bed, let's run some, yeah, it was the worst. It's terrible. That's the way it starts. Yeah. Well, it is, but also I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people expect things to be like pristine and perfect and right before they do anything. And what I've seen from your stuff is you just kind of buckle up and get on with it. Yeah. And stroll on through. Well, you have a very clear vision in your head of what you want to do. Yeah. It seems. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I know, I, I know what I, uh, the outcome I'm trying to achieve for most everything I do, but um, it's always the struggle of trying to gain up the courage to actually make those jumps to say yes to a project like this was extremely difficult but it was at a point in my life where i was you know moved home i was kind of, i left la i was with my mom and uh we were planning to move to uh, uh, the east coast actually and i was just ready to be like all right i'm just gonna be that guy who has a shed in the back and i make art and i just ship it out and i just make things for myself and i don't want to be in a business anymore and just kind of like all right it's time I'm, I'm, I'm hitting 30. It's time to go live in the woods and just be a, 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 a fine artist. Well, how right? long were you in L.A.? Uh, I was in L.A. 10 years. Okay. Um, which was a good run. You know, it was a good run. But I, you know, I did everything I wanted to do. And it just kind of got a to A decade. Like, I was there for 12. And yeah. I pretty much got everything there done that I felt that I wanted to do. Yeah. And then it was the Northridge quake that finally was the nail in that coffin. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. But I'm I'm very quick to like once I've achieved something, um, then it's time to move on. Like yeah. Once I'm like right, I'm pretty good at guitar, okay, let's drop it, move on to something else. I'm pretty good at sculpting, let's figure something else out. Then something more challenging, right? I'm always jumping to that. 
So it was it was kind of time to be a fine artist, and it was like you know about you know it's, it's time to go home, stay with my mom's here and stuff. COVID hit. This is a great like, place to live. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to <laughs> encourage everybody to move to Colorado, but it's surprisingly so good for great, the industry too. This is a great place. Yeah. Um, if, if we can get rid of the Tabor Amendment, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'd be, there's nothing keeping us from being Georgia. Yeah, that's true. But um, and then I just found I was you know stuck in my room a little too long and not getting my hands dirty, and I just was like, oh yeah, I can't not be working. It is something I have to do. I can't not have a shop space or a project to work on. It's just not in my nature. So um, when Andrew came to me. Um, just by happenstance, and we started talking. Um, it just seemed like, oh yeah, I could probably do that. I could make it work. And then, uh, and then it finally like clicked. Like, oh yeah, I have to build all these things, and this is I'm in charge of this show, and it was a nightmare, and it was six, the most stressful time of my life. And so, did you have to find this space after Andrew approached you, or? Had you already found found? This uh, I started looking when I got the job because I knew right we needed to order the, order the foam and we need to build a ten foot devil. That was kind of the pitch that got me the job. Was he wanted a man in a suit, um, and I I was like, well, when's the last time there was a good original devil that's a man in a suit besides Tim Curry Legend? When since then has there been a devil as iconic as that? And I don't. I, my personally a personal opinion is there hasn't. No. That's as good as it gets. Compared to that, yeah, yeah. that's as good as it gets, right? So I go, what if it's not a a guy on stilts that's ten feet tall, nine feet tall? What if it's a completely hunched over alien in this world? Like, because originally he was supposed to be inside of a building, and I was like, what if he's like rubbing the ceiling, but it's his back, and he's like, you know, not of this world. He's not built for this size of building. and it's a puppet. My whole thing was, I mean, he came to me going, let's do makeup appliances, let's do guys in suits. And I am not much of a makeup guy. I never have been. Mainly because I just don't know the steps. But also, I just don't like being that close to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I sculpt personalities. And I don't like relying on an actor to create that personality through a, a plain sculpt. Makeup appliances are always boring to sculpt for me. Right? You can't have expressions. You can't go... You always have a, yeah, a you're limit providing of some a tool for the actor's face. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're not fully in control of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, when was the last time you can only go so far with a makeup as a ghoul or a zombie, right? Walking Dead has that's its whole genre of the realistic zombies, and then anything more, I think you could spot a mile away that it's a person in makeup. And I was, and I was going, what are some of our favorite zombies? You go Return of the Living Dead, right? That's my favorite. That's my favorite. They're puppets. They're all puppets. So I go, when was the last time you saw puppet zombies? You know, besides that one here or there in The Walking Dead or something, right? When was, like, a fun puppet made? And just how things move and how things stretch always just gave me an eerie feeling, you know? And then we started kind of deep diving into Jim Henson's work from Storyteller and Labyrinth and how, you know, uh, 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 like Dream Child, the weird stuff he was doing. Yeah. And I was like... It's it was it started for the clicking like oh there is a niche in that market there is no shop doing that type of work right now yeah. in my opinion yeah right and it's that that fantasy thing like you say when you see labyrinth and the, you know dark crystal and stuff there's something about it. it's so otherworldly and then yeah. occasionally when you saw movies that they did where there would be people in makeup it suddenly 
breaks it in a weird way when it's that fantastical yeah. and it just started to like click like like when just me and Andrew would have hour long conversations about what we were thinking for this project and, and and how I was saying like let's do something no one would expect to see in a low budget film and the more we just discussed the more it was coming apparent to me and him how important Jim Henson's work when Jim was around exploring new storytelling and new character designs and new forms of puppetry and animation and bringing otherworldly characters to physical form and stuff and how there's something that Jim took with him that I think hasn't been recreated yet. And I was like, let's try to capture that. Let's do, if Jim was handed a ghouls, devil, demons, what would he do? What would an episode of Storyteller do with that? I mean, we know the the little devils in that one episode... um, of storyteller, mm-hmm. the little guys, you know, all all playing poker at the table. Amazing, probably one of my favorite demon scenes. Hello. <laughs> I hear you like a game of cards. <laughs> oh, like a game of cards. <laughs> what shall we play for? And I was just like, let's let's have fun with it. Let's get let's get weird. And he was, he just let me do whatever. And, and, and after a while, it started just turning into, he just gave me full creative freedom where I was like, let's do fun ghouls. Hear me out. Let's do, what if they're, what if they're turquoise and lime green? What if this, what if this demon is actually rainbow and sneezing glitter and feathers and as bold and weird as it gets? I was going through, um, I'm a big uh, kids book collector. I'm trying to write kids books also. It's another passion and bucket list thing is is to illustrate a kid's book and write one and I was going through my childhood books and some of my favorite authors and illustrations and I was incorporating those things into my work right bold colors and and pastels and feathers and very interesting designs that no one's really tapped into yet because everyone's so used to video game designs and realistic and you know, every devil has a lava glowing mouth and glowing cracks everywhere and stuff. Yeah. And I go, let's take it back to some of the early designs of devils, you know, the early 1900s where it's a naked red man or it's, you know, just something as simple as just red red skin and horns. And how do you make that something as basic as that? Well, one of the things I stressed with um, some of my students in, in my sculpture classes, when you're doing character design, creating characters, it's... It's not about creating something that looks realistic. It's creating something that is believable. Yeah. And I had a real nice light bulb moment just before we started recording when you showed us the trailer for Onyx. Because, you know, I was here when you were building the puppets and you were having some of the test things. And I thought, these are really cool. But it wasn't until I saw it in the context of what the movie was going to be that you just showed us. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's... That's entirely different, and now it, the cool factor has just ramped up significantly. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'm just trying to figure out as a as an artist and as a creative and as a business owner now what I'm trying to do as far as like, well, what are my goals? Am I trying to be a FX shop? Am I trying to be a filmmaker? Am I trying to be a storyteller? And and figure out the best avenues to get to do what I want to do and feel fulfilled as an artist so that's kind of where I'm at now so we finished the Onyx movie and we were you know I had a, a, an outlet to express some of my ideas and and execute them in, in ways I've always wanted to and 
I, I, I'm really proud of what we did. And now it's just trying to figure out the next step. I mean, so we did, we did the crowdfunder. Um, we got the funding for a short film. And in this short film, I want to show now what's my original story and my storytelling incorporating my love of puppetry and original creatures and um, and challenging myself with okay now I'm the one who's 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 trying to tell a story here and I need to build what's in my I mean something that's like the Onyx movie those creatures in that movie are are you know half my idea half Andrew's idea right we're working together I'm working with concept artists and stuff and we you know it's a team effort and those are my things but as an artist I'm you know me personally I'm always trying to just create what's in my head physically that's that's about it right mm -hmm. I just want to be able to go oh look at that's the thing I had up here and now it's there it's just it's a fun challenge I think that's good because a lot of people that are making stuff are looking at what else is around. It's where you get so many samey creature designs, like you say about the devils. They're all yeah. People are looking to that rather than having an original idea and then work backwards to figure out how to make it. They're like, what do I know how to make efficiently? And then kind of shoehorn a design into those parameters. Yeah. And I like the fact that you were doing that with puppets and going those crazy colours and stuff. It's good because when it comes out, it'll be interesting to see what effect it has because it might make. Because I think, for example, there's a, a lot of old, you know, horrible stuff going on with the Ukraine war and things that are gnarly and when times are bad you tend to get more like fantasy stories and 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 and, and yeah. fairy tale becomes more popular and i'm hoping that it would you get more of that stuff happening where we're a bit you're not so attached to realism we're starting to break away from that and puppets are a good way of doing that i think well like part of it's also taken being unafraid to to take the risk and and risk failure if you if you will rather than playing it safe and doing designs that are familiar mm. to most people and, and kind of staying within, coloring it within the lines instead of not giving a shit and doing doing what feels right in your heart and just knowing that it's, it's going to work without having that confirmation beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, it does, and I think because people like to play safe, especially with productions, they'll, they'll, they'll just churn out a different flavor of the same thing. Yeah. Particularly, I think, with streaming services, because they've got the, stat, the stats, they can see who watches when, you know, what's popular in different regions, do they watch it on one go, or what time of day, do they stop watching halfway through, so you've got all that data. Yeah, well, and that's kind of feeding into what shows they're going to fund. That are yeah. taking on a dark tone, like Love, Death, and Robots, where what was the stuff that we were just watching? That it's just everything's taking a really strange dystopian. Oh, the uh, Neil Blomkamp turn, stuff. That was turn to stuff, which is which is yeah. cool, but also I, I like happen to like that bit, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's not the only stuff that's out there. Yeah. That's that dark. Yeah, and that's one thing too. I'm trying to do as as just an individual making stuff was um, I try to avoid as much gore as I can. I don't really prefer to take on gore jobs. Um, everything I create is directed towards kids. All the designs I do for my creatures are directed towards kids. Um, uh, I, I do think there's a lack uh, of people noticing what is marketed towards kids nowadays and how all that is affecting people. Yeah. One of the reasons why I pull these kids' books as references and stuff is because I have books from when I was three and four years old that are still images burnt into my head. I sculpt something, and I go, why does this look familiar? And I look and I go, oh, this is something I saw when I was five years old, and it still is stuck in there, and I'm recreating that, you know? 
So I see the importance of imagery presented to kids, and I see that there's a lack of that right now. Definitely, in in everything. In you know, I have a collection of coloring books that I had when I was a kid, and I look at the hand, you know, the painted cover art and the illustrations on the inside, and I go, "This is amazing designs and a beautiful painting on the cover." We'll have to compare children's book collections sometime. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have an obsession. And even, you know, that's just something I prefer, too, as I see kids' books now where they're all photoshopped and stuff. And I go, well, I mean, I have, you know, ours were beautiful watercolors, yeah. you know, and paintings and stuff. And I think fun kids read drawings like Harold and the Purple Crayon. Yeah, yeah. Still one of my favorite children's books. And I think, personally, I think that stuff is noticed by kids. I think kids can spot digital and, and this and practical and things hand-painted and things digitally yeah, painted. And, and so it looks like it was drawn by a kid. Yeah. And it kind of celebrates an innocence as well, a lot of that stuff, yeah. which is, it's, I guess the, the danger is it's a cheap... It's like there's so many like true crime podcasts, right? And it probably maybe people listening to this that think, oh, I also like true crime podcasts. And it's the trouble is it becomes an easy engine to keep warm. Mm-hmm. And it's low-hanging fruit in some ways because you just show yeah. something despicable and it appeals to a very low part. You know what I mean? Well, it's well, not so fostering that. It comes a, down to the motivation of why thing. you're doing it. You know, I'm gonna gonna draw this way because I think that's what I think people want want to see, rather than drawing yeah. drawing from from your heart and what what makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, because if if it's truly passionate to you, yeah, then that's going to reach other people but if you're doing it because you think that's what other people want to see maybe it'll be successful but yeah unlikely yeah yeah you're right with the, the Henson's thing though I mean I grew up watching you know the Muppet show and stuff and it was like it was such a joyous thing and they were all different races you'd have chickens that didn't use any English words do you know what I mean the sounds <laughs> yeah, well, or the yeah well I you know I don't know if it's if, if I'm imagining this whole thing but I remember when I was a kid maybe 12 or 13 that there was a summer replacement series that that was Henson it was a Muppet show before Piggy and Kermit and hmm. you know the Muppet characters that we know they were all human characters doing these little vignettes like Statler and Waldorf type of yeah, sta- yeah right. but 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 it was yeah, a Muppet yeah, show and it was sure. a, just a summer replacement series on on NBC I think wow. and it was like oh this is cool I've never seen anything like this before and then fr- the Muppets evolved from that hmm. But I can't find anybody who remembers seeing That's that when they were a kid. Yeah, <laughs> huh. so, a bit of hunting around. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean that's just something that bugs me personally. Is like I watched this like like that new Batman movie. I thought was awful, and I, then I see kids' toys, and I go, "This is how like, I don't see how that's okay." And I look at Adam West Batman, which is what I love, and I go, "How do we get so far? And why is it going so dark all of a yeah. sudden? And why like?" Like, I don't know, it's so strange to me. I don't, I don't get that. To the point where, like, you can get a... You can, in the kid's aisle, you can get a toy representing a serial killer. Um, and it's okay for kids. And I'm just like, what is this? And then also just the reaction of Batman to where we just can't get away from that. There's no original content anymore of, of fantasy characters. I mean, I, as much as I love the Dark Crystal show... the other stuff, they're just, you know, they're redoing the Addams Family again. Yeah. They're redoing the Munsters again yeah it's like Frank said yesterday you don't seem to get directors nowadays you get content creators they're just trying to sort of fulfill yeah this this drip feed of stuff rather than people go oh, I've got this vision I want to make it it just seems to be like who can we get to produce yeah, this thing I love the Adams family with with um, 
Carolyn Jones and John Ashton, but the Adams family has been done. Yeah, that was yeah. a good that, yeah. They already they already did it yeah. the way it was supposed to be done. Yeah, and certain things like those, like I'm I'm very excited for the new monsters um, because it is that is a kids film, and it's and it's directing and it's reintroducing young kids to the monsters who obviously will not sit down and watch black and white monsters anymore. Um, so it is it is bringing it back, and it is you know kids now who enjoy Rob Zombie or teenage young, young teenagers uh, would go watch that and they may, they might go oh this is interesting I'd even know, I've never seen the monsters so I'm all up for that but things like the Henson company doing the gym doing the dark crystal show I love it and it's beautiful and you know it was a great show but also Jim was just trying to like he did lat he did dark crystal and he did labyrinth and if Jim kept going I feel like he would just be doing new story after new story after new character and not just extending the universes over and over again. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. So I had always thought, back when I first read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in, in college, that I thought those would have been oh, great vehicles yeah. for Henson. Yeah. Can you imagine a puppet going? That's essentially what this guy is. So what this Kickstarter was, is I, wanted, I, was, I was going, okay, I want to show 15 to 20 minutes of what I think Henson would have done if he was handed a 1930s jungle adventure, essentially, story. So there's the talking, like, talking shrunken heads and an island creature and our adventurer, and it's also, you know, it's a moral story, and it's using miniatures, and it's using forced perspective, and, and you know, we're building a jungle set. I don't, I don't want to play. You know. Yeah, it's, it's basically, can we get funding to show... 15, 20 minutes of us just playing with puppets and building a jungle story and seeing what would have happened, right? Because, like, the storyteller never took us to the jungle, right? We were always in castles and in fields and stuff. And there's so many things that you can do in the jungle. Yeah. yeah and it's an unfamiliar yeah. landscape to most yeah. of us, so there's wide open yeah. where, you can, yeah. where you could go with that. But it's just, just cool. this giant fantasy story, and it's I, I was selling it, and I was selling the Kickstarter as a 1930s jungle adventure, but it's actually a modern-day um, story about a young girl discovering uh, a, a down, a, down a bad path of greed and discovering past stories of greed and corruption and how awful it is in a, in a, in a world and seeing physical forms of greed, which is represented as our island creature, and then what is portrayed as, as what we're always taught as this adventurer who's going to a foreign land who is a hero or Indiana Jones, but actually how corrupt that person is also and how motivated that person is by greed. And, and this girl learns this story and discovers the shell of what's left of that adventurer's you know, career of greed and how he also has transformed into a monster and is left with nothing. And this girl just kind of falls into this adventure and is shown the path that she's going down and how bad that is. So it is a moral story, you know, that just teaches you that greed's bad. But those that 1930s jungle adventure is a very relatable image, you know. Yeah. It conjures up. It does. You see that game the, in there. The, 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 the it's a genuine game. Yeah. The old cliffhanger yeah. serials that yeah. they used to show in theaters before the movies, which I used to see when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Utterly, yeah. They utterly familiar them. and exciting. Yeah. So, you know, that 1930s jungle adventure. Yeah. I can visualize that in my head. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm really excited for the story. 
and it's just super challenging on trying to write. That's the thing I'm trying to work on now is writing and storyboarding. And then we're building the puppets and we're kind of figuring out how to fit a jungle in here and just, you know, wrap my head around that. So that's that's what I'm trying to do is just show like with minimal amount of money, but with full creative imagination. Um, you can't like that's another like I, I always hear all oh, practicals just so expensive. It takes so much time, you know, but it's cheaper than CGI. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's, using, it's creative problem solving and using your imagination to take you into another world. I mean, part of the Kickstarter pitch was, was what I'm trying to do in this shop here, uh, instead of going to a jungle location or going and finding locations, I want to do it all in-house in the shop and use these as my boundaries that I have to work within. What's your scale? Um, I'm all over the place. Okay. It's 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 all over the place, but um, I'm, I was referring to a lot of George Millier's work where they had one building right. and they still took us to the moon and we went underwater and we explored all these different worlds, and it's simply just painted painted flats, you know, and even that looked great. So that's what I'm trying to show off here. So we're having the tiny volcano, we have the tiny boat, we have a, a larger scale, you know, dinghy that's going to take us to the island. We're gonna we're we're building the whole quicksand scene here. That was part of the, the, the riddle, too, is how do you do a, a jungle adventure in the middle of Colorado? Well, our adventure is stuck in quicksand most, mostly the whole time. So all the puppets are playing around him, and we're not moving. Um, I just thought that was a fun, creative way to figure that out. So um, that's what we're doing here. Um, so I don't know. It just sounds fun. It does sound fun. And right? I like the idea of a maker being involved with story and, and coming up with with ideas because I think when you just work for other people supplying labor to make something you only facilitate what they require but to, to have an idea and go oh this is a story I want to tell like you, you've done with your shorts it's like here's the thing I want to tell and we'll figure out how I'm going to you're not going to have the communication problems yeah. that you would have because it's the same same individual yes yeah. that's, that's got the story <clears throat> and building all of the pieces it's not like you have to explain to the to the visual effects people, yeah, what you want to do and hope that they understood you. Yeah, well, it's kind of like we were saying about with like some of the emails we were comparing about. Someone would say, um, you know, um, basically give me a job. Uh, <laughs> but know. it's but it's like when people have technical questions about I don't know how to do something. At no point in the message do they say I've tried this. Here's a photo of what I did that went wrong. You kind of qualify it with, look, I've yeah. already done this. I'm getting stuck. And there's something about when you get an email like that, you go, oh, you've demonstrated to me that you put some time in. You haven't just clicked your fingers and said, oh, because I can access you, I'm just going to not bother doing any of it. Because you can I'm just go in the blank, right? Do it rather than try to figure it and out And there's first. something about somebody that has an idea for a story. This is, I want to do this story. It's, I want to I have this idea, even if it's a small little thing. And then it's like, how am I going to, how do I figure that? I've got, this is, these are my limitations. That's what I've got to do. So I, I think it's really good that you're doing that. And I think it's good if you can explain that to people because I think people need to hear that. They don't. You're not. You're not necessarily waiting to be picked. Yeah, I definitely try to. I. I you know, I'm always keeping busy on something. But I, I'm like, I've worked my way up to a point to where I, I was confident that I could get crowdfunding successfully for a short film project. Um, you know, I see. I. I I've. I've been working on this crowdfunder. I, I looked for six years now is when I started the jungle project. 
and I and I tried building it and I tore it down and I built it and I tore it down and it was just never at the right moment and I knew just as a creative I had to put myself in a position which is what I did to where either I do a crowdfunder or I have to move out of my shop I, I had I that's the position I because I'm pretty lazy this is what it is <laughs> I think I'm pretty lazy and uh, and I'm also just um, I'm very I'm not very confident in my work to where I I had to put myself I knew if I put myself in a position of either I move out and I lose what I just worked hard for or I gain up the courage to finally push to get my storytelling funded to tell it um, which is when we launched the Kickstarter it was great I was, I was showing I was showing uh, a friend of mine the graph of my business income basically and and pretty much right before the Kickstarter funding hit my bank account, I had about $200 in my business bank account to where it was like, literally rent was like in three days. And I and it was timed just right where I launched the Kickstarter. I knew 30 days and it takes two weeks to get the funding after that. Um, but like I said, I've been working on the Kickstarter plan for six years. I've been fortunate enough to have been working for companies that were getting crowdfunded feature films in where I got to work on those films and talk to the directors and go, how did you do it? You did a crowdfunder, you funded a short film, and then somehow that short film got a million and a half to make a feature. What are you like? Well, I see you're doing it. I see how this guy did it, and I'm working for him too. I see, you know, and that was kind of like the Onyx movie was a Kickstarter-funded feature. Mm. Um, but the past, I've worked for three other Kickstarter features that were just Kickstarter-funded short films that somehow got funding to then be made into features. So I've, I've seen it happen over and over and over, and I kept being the guy who was helping make the effects yeah. for that. And yeah, I was just yeah. going, I feel like I could do that too. I feel like I'm a decent storyteller. Um, so I knew it would work. The Onyx gave me the tool of social media along with uh, um, some other previous work I've done that gave me the tool of having a YouTube channel, having a popular social media, because I was producing cool content that was allowed to show, which normally for a, f a feature project, yeah, it has up. to be all yeah. undercover. Yeah, yeah. But because it was a Kickstarter-funded fu film, he wanted everyone to be able to see the process happening since they were involved in funding the project. So because of that, I was able to piggyback off of what we were currently doing at the shop, and I knew that it would work. So I did strategize, and I am you know, somewhat smart, um, and it's it, lazy. Yeah, I'm lazy, but I can figure. I can <laughs> I can see how things work. <laughs> but I I knew it would work, and I know once the film's done, I got a feeling it would it would launch the shop into not just a shop that makes puppets or you know another shop to just put a bid out on a project, but actually you know like. Because I just see now, everyone just goes to these shops and, they're, and you're bidding on projects and it's all the same stuff. But I don't see a shop that's special. Like, you wouldn't go to Jim Henson's and you'd be like, hey, we're doing this episode of CSI and we need a dead body. Can you do that? They go to Jim's because they go, we want Jim's work. Mm -hmm. We go to Jim because we want a Jim thing. And I just don't see a shop really that's so honed in on a certain style and original design. I'm just tired, you know, working in the industry where the directors show up with photoshopped images already and they go we want this made uh, how much to make this 
and then we're gonna go to this other shop and see how much it is for them to make that. We, yeah, we want creature kid stuff. Yeah, I'm really, you know, as uh, you know. No, I, I think I'm confident a, in my work. I think work. that's a, a brilliant strategy. Yeah, and I'd rather struggle to try to get that than than be taking on jobs that aren't. Yeah, no, like, struggle yeah. struggle for your own gain rather than somebody else's. Yeah, but those are pro- those are those are that's an interesting point. But the technical thing, the the job I was just on, that was the same thing, that. Um, the design done by somebody else yeah. and they're trying to make them work and the director was saying yeah this isn't right that's right yeah but you this design doesn't have a human being in it this is a suit somebody's wearing it they've they've got one arm here yeah. they're bent over like this you know the life cast was taken like that and it should have been straight because they can always bend their neck. that yeah. see little things like that and if the maker is involved in the design then they can make those decisions or at least advise the director yeah could we do this instead it'll make it so much quicker cheaper faster safer can we do it in two shots we do a puppet for the close up and the or the wide could be a person in the suit that kind of thing yeah oh yeah that doesn't matter do you know what I mean and it's it's good that the maker and the designer are close to it rather than shipping them out you've got super you've got guys like Doug Jones who you know will will wear whatever suit you tell him to put on and he'll be uncomfortable to the point of not being able to walk or you know, yeah. verge of passing out and won't say anything about it because that's the kind of guy he is. But why put somebody in that position when if you designed it with the performer in mind to begin with, yes. you wouldn't risk having your, your actor in traction for a month yeah. because he had to hold his body in a certain position for so long. Yeah, I think it's quite... I think it, it feels like a lot of modern stuff feels like people will put a production together they'll pluck pieces together and make them a whole and it's like yeah but these three people work together all the time put them together you'll get a shorthand you wouldn't otherwise have yeah. you may yeah. as the recently acquired director may not know that right. these guys have been working since before you were born let them do what they do really well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then maybe that means they don't have complete control but it means it'll, the shooting there will be so much quicker you don't cheaper. need to have so many chefs in the kitchen yeah. yeah so I think if you are the designer and you're in control of things I think that's really good Yeah. so that's a good thing to push for I think I'm trying. I mean, a lot of the times I feel like I'm failing because the shop, right, isn't you know, crazy busy right that's now. That's kind of the stuff. nature of an artist is, you know, we're never satisfied. So, yeah, it's and it's I scary. Think it, I think that's also, you know, the you know, call on the ball is when when you're right in that zone when you're feeling that discomfort and and st- lets you know you're you're still on the right track because if you're you just don't give a shit or you feeling that, that everything's fine then you're either not trying hard enough or you definitely need to be doing something different yeah yeah I don't know that's what I'm trying to do cool see man. if it works yeah <laughs> it's very cool now I love the puppet stuff I mean when I look in through the Instagram seeing the ghouls and stuff what I liked about it was it was it, it had in, in not that it was Muppety but it had a familiarity to it but I also realized I hadn't seen anything like that since forever mm-hmm. and it's lovely and it's Thank really you. cool. There's something about puppetry, and then incorporating it with yeah, because you had anima- animatronic suit. eye movements that yeah, uh, yeah, that you guys built here. But you get do you get to keep the puppets? Are they coming back to you, or do they all belong to Andrew? Puppets are directors. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. Well, at least you've got molds. Yeah, you've I got, got little stuff. Yeah, I know. I was thinking maybe <laughs> some display pieces at some point if I ever give get get to it. Or yeah, like collectible statues. Mm-hmm. I thought would be fun to make eventually, but. You know, right now I do need to separate myself from the characters a little bit because I was like, you know, obsessed with them for a year. And and, and and another example of why I really want to pursue my own stuff because I prize possessions as my pug Lou puppet. And there's just something about making something of your own original design without anybody's say in it. 
and then being able to look back at that in 10 years from now. Like, I'm excited in 10 years from now when Andrew pulls out the puppets and I can be like, wow, that's crazy. I can't remember. It's like, it's, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't remember doing all that work. And then you look at it and you go, wow, that's a trip. I can't believe I did that. That's crazy. I'm really good, you know? But at the moment, you're like, I hate it. Get it out of here. It's terrible. And then when it's shooting, you're like, oh, it didn't work right or it wasn't quite, quite perfect, you know? And it's always chasing that, like, how to make something look exactly how you imagine it but then looking back on it later and going like oh yeah that is pretty crazy that i did in the movie my friends are transformed into soulless monsters and i must rescue them back from another world in brink lest they be gone forever it was important to us to harken back to a time in cinema when puppets had personality and presence and were pivotal in plumping out the pathos of the film that that's the kind of stuff that's motivating me for the jungle thing as hard it is is to write the current struggle and storyboard it all and I'm just looking at like, oh, I gotta build a full set here. I gotta do this. I gotta, you know, I'm trying to make it as fun as I possibly can. But even as fun as something is making a tiny volcano and putting a smoke grenade in it, shooting it in slow motion, you know, as fun as all that sounds, you, you still just go, man, I'm, I'm, you know, worried about twelve bills hitting in the next week, and then, uh, Sucks and then I'm worried about, yeah, I'm worried about. I can have fun now, but if you know, what's the outcome? Will I be able to afford rent? once this is done you know and it's all those things where it's just like it just makes it hard so i'm trying to like every day be looking at books of you know my favorite artists and watch movies of my favorite filmmakers and be like all right this is why you gotta pull your teeth and struggle right now it sucks you gotta carve a tiny volcano but once it's done you'll look back and be like ah that's really cool that looks like a little boat going to a tiny volcano island or those look like real shrunken heads talking I know. Or this looks like we're in a jungle. So, trying to make it work. I don't know. It's, it's a, a struggle. I have a sneaking suspicion that you will yeah. make it happen and then some. I sure hope so. I felt like it has... I, I, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but people have been saying that for a while. But I still feel like I'm failing because I can't pay rent. And I don't have my own house. And I left L.A. and I feel like I gave up somewhat on, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, as, as working from a shop, working on huge, huge Hollywood movies, and then now being in the middle of Colorado um, and trying to push for my own thing. I mean, no matter what, you feel like you're not there yet. You feel like you were there. Yeah. Even at Imagineering, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have quit. I was there, I was working, I was an Imagineer, right? That's some people's life goals, is to how do I become an Imagineer, right? And I was doing it and I didn't like it. And I'm doing something else. So, but that's probably the whole point, right? Is the pursuit of trying to be happy. Yeah, and then you recalibrate. I, I, I think so. Yeah, it's, 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 it's about always being outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And yeah. When, you, when you find yourself being comfortable doing what you're doing, it's time to get outside your comfort zone again because that's the only way you're going to yeah. improve and get any better. Yeah, I don't know anyone if you, if you just plateau and stay comfortable... Yeah, it's that conflict of, that's, of there's struggle there's that no, is, yeah, there's that's no, being alive. That's there's what no it is. joy in that. Yeah, I guess, right? No, well, it, it is, for artists. Yeah. Because, you know, when you get older, you may have applied those things, but then you have different concerns. Your parents are elderly or you've got this to worry about and now your leg hurts. Or you know what I mean? There's, there's always something. And I think when people look at people's work, this is why I think it's really nice to talk to you about this, because you look at your work, you see this hugely prolific output, 
amazing quality stuff that's lovely and, and stuff that we haven't seen before. These puppets are amazing. And then you're saying, oh, I feel lazy, I don't feel this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you know what I mean? There are going to be people that are beating themselves up and go, it's, you can still do good work. Just like The fact that you feel that way or anyone who feels down, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. That's just how you feel. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's good to hear that. In a horror, I'm, not, I'm not enjoying hearing your suffering. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is I feel that too and I think everyone that's doing it, because you don't get that when you see the finished work. Like I joked about, like, oh, you can't see the, the the pain of holding up a puppet on camera. It's like, but it's true. But <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of stuff that that isn't isn't seen by other people, and unless someone explains it and says, "This is what it cost me," or "This is this mm-hmm. is what I missed out on because of it," or it's just keep pushing forward rather than, and it doesn't seem like you do at no point. It doesn't seem like you're living in the past. You're using what you've learned and going right. I'm going to use that to inform the next decision. And every time it's a dice roll. But you go with the best of intentions, and you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not you're not doing this because you're trying to screw people over, or yeah. you're doing it because you want a good story, you want good work. And yeah. whether you whether you admit it or not, I don't see sloppiness around me. Yeah, when I look at the things, <laughs> this is not you know the, the detail that goes into these things. I've worked with enough sloppy people to know that's not that's not what that is. So I think it's quite normal for humans to feel less than worthy. And you're also not shit, doing this because that. you're. D- you think that's what other people want to see. You're doing it because this is what you want to see. Yeah, that's true. I do. And yeah. because, you know, it's, we already talked about it, because of your passion in, in doing it for you, that's what's going to draw other people to it. Yeah. And there's a familiarity to it as well. Like I said, when you look at that old you know, ball game, there's something about it that, oh, yeah, you don't see that nowadays. But it's got a kind of nice warm thing about it. It feels inclusive. It's not a kind of like, oh, yeah. If you, if you don't like I spit on your grave then you know you don't belong to that genre kind of thing it's like, yeah. yeah that's fair enough but what about Muppet Treasure Island <laughs> it's quite oh, a cool movie yeah. you know? it's one of my favorite movies <laughs> love that movie so, so good you know and, and when you see some of the puppets and things oh almost like the monsters as well like it's sort of a horror themed thing but at no point you disgusted or horrified or terrified do you know no, what I mean yeah. so it has yeah. all of the good stuff Fred Wynn as Herman Munster on, is, you know, this yeah, but he doesn't have to tear her tits off and smash her face. Yeah, but it's it's fun. Yeah. It's fun, you know. I yeah. want to start a band called Eddie's Got a Girlfriend. That, that was the name of one one episode. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Very very cool. Yeah, I'm trying. It's a struggle, but it is worth it. Everyone, you know, and and anybody who's listening. I remember being a high school sculptor going, man, I wish I could get to that level where I'm working on toys. I want to be a sideshow sculptor. That's a goal, right? And I couldn't get there. And I'd work and work and work. And I was trying to get there, trying to get there. You know, and now I go, you know, I look at Guillermo's work and, and JJ's work and Peter Jackson's work. And I go, man, they did it, right? They they did their film with their best friends, a low budget, you know, um, Sam Raimi, you look at, I mean, that's Sam Raimi's, the textbook, high schoolers who made a feature film yeah. with, with hardly any money. What's the old Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney? Hey, we, let's put on a show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad owns a barn. Let's, let's get some sheets and we can do lights behind it. Yeah. But yeah. now, you know, I, I watch these movies now while I'm, I'm struggling at that point to do it. And I just go, man, I bet, I wonder, was Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi just like miserable thinking, man, this is probably not going to work the whole time? Not knowing what his career would be, you know, was it just? I mean, with them, you could see it's a group of friends having fun, but I can't imagine the stress level, especially for him when he was what he was like twenty-one when he did yeah, the first yeah. Evil Dead. I can't even imagine, you know, doing doing something like that, and you know, just working on a, a, a my first short film, like a real legit short film, 
it's so stressful and I just keep thinking of like it's got to be good if it's good this can come from that it that can come from it if it's bad what am I going to do you know um, so it's always just trying to remember like no matter what you make something about it will be good some good outcome will come from it people will see that you did the work and it will pay off if it just gets finished you might not get a call from Guillermo going this is amazing let's go make a movie now Hmm. but another effects job might come from it. It might just be enough to build up the audience to where I could try another Kickstarter and do a 45-minute short film. You know, it's just constantly, you know, you're always fighting yourself. That's all the whole problem of it I all. think that is it, yeah. You right? Do. Yeah, yeah. And you change your... You change... Like, if you get to a place where you wanted to be, you change your your perspective, don't you? Shift. Like you said, you know, you became an Imagineer, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not what I thought. Yeah. But... Yeah, but you, but you, you don't know. Be sad about you don't it. know until you until you try. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm the same. You know, I've worked on films like big, big films. I'm kind of going, is this it? You know, I remember being like, you know, in a big Marvel movie, and being like, you know, yeah, there are right. reshoots, and I'm like, I, I thought it was going to be, <laughs> I thought it was going to be different. But, yeah, but 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 it, I think what's important is to is to really analyze why you think that, because I think there are aspects to we go well I like sticking on makeups what I don't like is sitting around for eighteen hours not being used. Yeah, that's not a bad thing to be annoyed about. No. Because no. what you've decided is I'm going to find a way to use my time more effectively, not be wounded by what by the the dash dreams. It's not dash at all. You've fucking done it. But you know when you climb a mountain, you're looking up. When you're up there, you see something else. It's like yeah. you've got to keep moving. I think I think that's really important. Yeah, and and it's always difficult. Yeah. I think. So that's what I'm doing lately. That was all a bit gushy. Sorry, but <laughs> no, I, I, sorry. I honestly feel no, that good. way, and it's it's yeah. Like I say, I I know how it is when. When, when you feel like oh it's all above you know on top of you and everything but there's something to, there's something pure about having a good idea and working hard towards it so yeah yeah um, please keep doing it <laughs> oh yeah I mean that's the that's the whole point right and I sharing put myself, the process that's the thing yeah we get to see yeah. that and I did put myself in a position where I now am required to do this short film it has to be done and I only have amount the amount of money that will last me this duration of time so. There is no question. It has to happen in a certain amount of time, and it has to get done. So that's what's kind of good, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to... I'm, uh, just like the concept of I have to shoot it in this building, right? I have to make a jungle in here. How do I make that work? What do I have what to move around? What are you going to start building? Yeah. Uh, like the ti- sets. Yeah, what's your timeline? Uh, I mean, ideally, the film is done in December. So now. I don't know. Yeah, now. I know. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm writing, I'm avoiding writing, and I'm... St- <laughs> I, I know how that feels. <laughs> and I'm storyboarding. Storyboarding is easy because I already have it up here. And I know what people need to say at a certain point. It's just how is it delivered? How is a, how is a young girl delivering this and that and this and that? How are shrunken heads bickering back and forth? Right? I know it's a combination of the actors on the day, but also I need to figure out how to just write dialogue good how to be funny, how to write jokes. The sets in the building is all pretty straightforward. I have it all, you know, that's that's my specialty. I already know that stuff. The set is easy for me to envision, but it's hard to explain to people. So that's why I'm, like, boarding it all out. I'm going to do a miniature set, right, so I can, like, show, like, all right, this section will come off, this will come off, this can raise and lower and everything, and, like, board out every shot, what section of the set we need to move to get that angle and put it back in to get that angle. It's just so much... So much to think about. You know, what else would I be doing? 
Can I ask you a bit about uh, digital sculpting and how you feel about that compared to sculpting with clay? How did you, did you were you an early adopter with the whole ZBrush movement, or did you take it on reluctantly, or did you find it easy? I mean, I, it took me about four years to finally like figure out how to do it. I actually got my job at Imagineering by saying I was a digital sculptor, and I didn't know how. <laughs> so, so they they hired me, and I was I like that 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 day bought like ZBrush and how to and like tutorials and like crash course and I messed up I messed up stuff but I had to put myself in a position to where right just like this movie I had to learn it because I was being hired to learn how to I was being hired to work with it so I mean it, it's you know it's been years and years and years I love it I think it's great I'm teaching people how to do it I think it's a wonderful tool I think for characters I have to do them in clay Everything for the Onyx movie was sculpted in clay. Like, we blocked out proportions and body stuff. I mean, the devil was done digitally. Concept-wise is pretty easy to blast out digitally, but usually, like, for the island creature, I have to have it in a ball of clay, and I just change and try to find the personality in the clay. I think it's much easier to find a personality in clay than it is uh, in digitally. I think personality's hard digitally. But that's just my opinion. Mm. No, I know what you mean. There's, there's there's something about the tactile sensation of clay that helps. Yeah, that, I think. Yeah, but I think you know, ZBrush is a wonderful tool for any kid trying to get, learn how to do it because mm. you literally can. I mean, you don't have to buy any tools. But just like anything digital, will be gone sooner or later. And I think anybody who's digital, I can spot a digital sculptor who can't traditionally sculpt. I think everybody should learn the basics and know how to be a traditional sculptor as well as a digital sculptor. We know sculptors, traditional sculptors, who don't think digital sculpting is sculpting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's a difficult conversation to have, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. it is, but I also see how, like you say, if you can't do both, it's a different thing. And I know a lot of good sculptors, people like Sloman Weber, who were, you know, dying in the wall, um, clay sculptors that made the shift and they sculpt digitally, but it's informed from years of sculpting with clay yeah. and that understanding. And it's there's something missing. I well, think, it's nice to not be getting little bits of wax clay stuck to the bottom of your shoe and yeah, ruining your carpet. Through, through the carpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like sculpting. Yeah. I do. I love yeah, yeah it's true. I love pushing wet clay around. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah. yeah, I can't tell how many digital sculptors I've had to teach asymmetry to. Because they're so used to just the symmetry always being on, and I can go, I can see, I can tell that's digital, because it's symmetrical. You need to turn it off halfway and then start sculpting freehand. You know, that's twice as much work. Like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> I know. I'm working. I'm working on this creature right now, and you know, I, I I know they're as a creature from the Black Lagoon fanatic. I know how many digital creatures have been made as far as products and toys and and sculptures. And I see every error in a creature from the Black Lagoon sculpture done digitally is it's always symmetrical. I could count the, the, you know, he's the easiest one to do sym symmetrically because it's so much work. But the the creature is one of the most asymmetrical monsters out there. I mean, so I'm I'm doing this creature sculpt completely asymmetrical because that's what the suit is, and I think it translates. And I could spot a symmetrical creature a mile away. I hate him. I hate him. Just because I'm a creature, you know, yeah, yeah. psycho. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were born you out. And, you and Steve Wang. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. 
they're, beautiful they're, creatures. They're born out of, that, like you said, when that was made, that was made pre-digital. So if you apply that digital sort of sheen to everything. Oh, ruins it. it yeah. Red flag. Yep. Yeah. But I love digital. I think it's great. And I have, I have a few projects that are just strictly digital that are at a scale to where I physically can't sculpt them anymore. They're mm-hmm. so tiny, you know. Or something like The Devil where we printed it at a large scale and then we took measurements and calipers and incorporated that and carved it out of foam because... You had that first and then you could do that to... Yeah, we five, five, five times it and carved it out of blocks of styrofoam. That's amazing though because yeah. that's so useful to be able to figure yeah, out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also to win over people who don't quite know what you mean, you can show them that. Yeah, we had made it so we had a little yeah, Ken doll inside of there the and stuff. The sculpture was really, yeah, really crazy. fantastic. Yeah, it's just another tool. Yeah. I love it. But it's the same as it's probably the same argument as CG, CGI guys would do or digital guys would do. I see there's a you know, it's just finding that happy medium. But I could spot digitally altered practical effects a mile away, and it bugs the crap out of me. I think the thing with the digital side of things, especially for big big movies, and this was a question I asked Rick Baker because I think this is this was a years back before I was kind of more familiar with ZBrush, was that if you wanted to make a thing, you could make a thing. Yeah. If you want to make a thing for a Marvel movie, there's 50 animators involved in that. So there's no one person who can say, that's my thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's very difficult to say, yeah, I'm the guy that made the eyebrows wiggle. It's like, who gives a fuck? Who wants to be that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody wants to do that. You want to go, no, I made that thing. And you could in clay. And I guess you sort of could digitally, but maybe not in a pipeline where you've got, no, no, you need to know this much. And that's all you know. Get back in your cubicle kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and that doesn't feel like the same job as doing yeah. it in clay. It's not a replacement. It's not, I don't believe... When you see, like in Cinefix, before sadly it passed away, you'd see people, you know, furrow brows at monitors. That's not the same as sitting in a, a workshop sculpting in clay. Because when, when people come around to visit, you know, like, like directors or whatever, bring their family around, everyone's always jazzed when they go in the mold room or see the sculptures being made. You know, seeing a bunch of rendering machines is not the same. Yeah, it cracks me up to see how many people are, are pro-practical, yet they are still scared to do 100%. They always want to alter it. They're always like, well, we should, right? Oh, yeah, now there's... There is no 100% practical. Where no no show where makeup isn't being digitally yeah. cleaned up. Yeah. Mm. I watch the Stranger Things, you know, where they go, Vecna's all practical. He's all digitally altered. His hands CG altered. The new Predator movie, CG altered all over the place. And it's funny to try to try to go it's so weird how people are so promoting practical yet they are scared to go full practical again i don't know why so strange safety net but then also changing things that may not need to change they'll i know there are elements in it that you go well that didn't have to be that yeah (laughs) like why did they cgi that hand that's weird just so it looks less glovey then why'd you make it a practical glove (laughs) i'm still pissed about the beauty and the beast when they did, yeah, they did a Dave and Lou did fabulous, that. beautiful, practical beast. Yeah, and then fucking did the whole thing digitally, yeah. and and it's obvious. I don't get it. It's entirely obvious. It's, why did you do that? Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Because the, the makeup looked phenomenal. Yeah, and that's why. I mean, that's why. I mean, Labyrinth's one of my favorite movies because I just go, that's all there. It's there. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah, and it's perfect. Yeah, literally you, you don't go, oh, Ludo's crap, because yeah. whatever. It's like, no, he's awesome. It's a dude in a suit, and it looked great. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think there's anything about there where they're joking on how goofy it is. Like, it's never like, no. oh, it's funny, it's practical, so it's acting funny, right? It's always like, I always think of the shots where it's the dog, it's uh, Sir Dinamis on the dog, yeah. and he's calling the dog, and the puppet dog peeks its head around, and it comes back, and then they send out the real dog, 
It's genius, and it is a hundred percent convincing. Yeah, it's it's. It I love it's like it. the ape sapien hand, like you were saying about the glove. You know, you get a hand that stretches wider than a human hand can. Pull it out if you time it right. It yeah, looks great. Yeah, and it's a flawless solution, and it's in camera. It's in that shot. Yeah, you don't have to do anything else to it. On your way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's a pulse. There, a sister on the other side. Come back to the thing. Yeah. 100% in camera. Yeah. He's run some of the film backwards, but, but you know nothing what? digital. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, think a lot of, never notice. I think yeah. a lot of digital shots end up being thrown on because people just don't want to plan stuff. They don't want to make those decisions in yeah, the moment we'll or think it about it in We'll fix it in post. They go, yeah, we'll just do this and the other. CGI then, is twice as expensive as practical. Yeah, and then you get a bunch of you know poor CG people that are just having to work day and night to get all this stuff done that was piled on to the end because people were... Yeah, and, corners and I don't, I don't the, think the CGI the costs are coming down. When I was doing visual effects animation in the mid '90s, before I switched to practical, because you know, not being able to touch the stuff I was working on, mm-hmm. um, our average per finished second of approved animation average cost was six hundred fifty dollars per second. Whew. Some of the stuff we did for Disney and Warner Brothers was like eighteen hundred. That was then. In ni- in mid nineties. Wow. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. People don't like. They don't. They don't get that. They don't yeah. know how much stuff costs. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but there's this Disney Plus documentary about ILM. Yes, I haven't seen that yet, but I saw yeah. It and I just and I'm just going. I mean, obviously, that is the best of the best stuff. It's a group of young kids playing with practical effects, miniatures, and pyrotechnics, and this and that, and doing the most amazing stuff. And I just go. Well, what's the last episode going to be? Just everyone on computers, right? Because that's what it's just turned into, right? And I just go, I, I think, I don't know what it is. I don't know why everyone's so scared to go full practical. Even the Star Wars stuff, that's why I dislike it so much. Because they go, we're going, you know, it's practical, it's practical. And then there's a CG Rancor running around. And I'm like, Phil Tippett's Rancor is like one of the greatest puppets ever. And why did they not figure out a way to bring the Rancor back as a practical thing? Or the CG Jabba's, you know? Oh, the, the white orc in, uh, was it The Hobbit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they did, did all Lord of the CG. Rings. The, the orcs were all practical makeups. And, yeah. then, you cut to this, and then you cut to this it pulls you out of it. fucking digital yeah. thing that's... I mean, is it just a time and money thing, just, I guess? The moment's gone. Time, time on set, I guess? I, I have no idea. I don't know, but I'd rather just struggle and do... That's why the short film, right? I'd rather just do 20 minutes of full practical on how I want to do full practical and how I love it than be doing practical for a comp- like a large studio that'll then CG over it or yeah. cut it out yeah. of the movie or alter it in some way, right? You know, I say, I say it all the time, man, it's getting to be like a broken record you know, nothing says real like real yeah yeah it just yeah. needs to be done well and I think if you do do that that's good because then it gives somebody an example to point to where those things don't exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> not really yeah no. that's why I love the original Star Wars movies so much I mean that's the the peak of practical puppetry and miniatures and everything mm-hmm. I put on Army of Darkness um, that's one of my favorite Sam Raimi movies because it does have everything, right? It's got the stop motion, the force perspective, the projected backgrounds, the puppetry. It's all there. Mm. Um, I love movies where they combine it all into one. I get those rocks up, mister, on the devil! Ready to the catapults! By God, let's give him what for! That's pretty much what Star Wars did, right? It had every type of effect imaginable in it. And then, and then you know, it just lost its way. 
because they're just churning it out as quickly as they can. Yeah, I look at the land speeder with the mirror that reflecting oh, the sand. So, so genius. Yeah, yeah. So genius. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting as well like with the sort of puppet thing, thinking back to things like Big Bird in Sesame Street, you know, like you've got a bunch of real people there and you might have a puppet and you've also got this guy in a suit, you know, puppeteering. It's amazing. And the, the, is it Barney the Big big Blue Bear or whatever it's called? The, it's a kid's, the kids show. Bear in the Big Blue House. Yes, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, the big, yeah. You know, and the way it moves, like the Henson, you know, um, Harry and the Hendersons, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's just the, it's yeah. a sort of movement about, I mean, that was more of a, you know, a head that is yeah, born, but, but to have an actual puppeted thing amongst other people and it doesn't in the way that that orc breaks it practical 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 oh digital you don't see that when you've got yeah. kid adult Oscar the Grouch in the bin and this you know guy walking around in a big bird suit well, it does, it, none of that looks out of place yeah. that the actor's looking at a tennis ball on the end of a c-stand rather than yeah. an actor in, in a suit and makeup yeah it just doesn't yeah it doesn't jive and there's something about that yeah making that work as a whole and I guess as well it's like we were saying about the like a college where people do like an orc makeup but then it's you stick that in a supermarket it looks stupid it needs Middle Earth yeah. and all the other stuff around it to look re- relevant yeah, yeah. and I think the idea of you creating a whole scene where you're in control of the environment so you don't you're not just somebody that makes a thing you're, you're making the whole thing you're, you're responsible for all of it that can influence how effective that is because you've built the environment to suit the thing itself yeah yeah oh, that's awesome yeah yeah I can't wait to come back over and see the see this in in process it's gotta happen I just have to figure it out it's gonna go in that corner right there that's the biggest space I think where it's the highest clear that's the problem too right as I go alright for the wide shot we have to show actor in quicksand there's a ledge which is like a diving board pop it on top of that ledge and I go okay even if our actor is sitting on the floor in the quicksand pit it has to be at least two to two and a half feet above the ground. The ledge is three three feet above him to the side. Our puppet is uh, five feet tall. So already we're and getting two have, feet shy sh- of the you're ceiling. shooting from above? That's straight on, but it will be a little high. But that's already two feet shy of the ceiling. So I'm going, all right, the ceiling has to be covered in leaves. We have to make it a jungle terrain up there. It just is what it is. Whoa. I know, isn't that silly? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find leaves somewhere. I don't know, <laughs> but that's what's so fun about it. So you know, I look at all the books. I got the Dark Crystal books. I got the Labyrinth books, and I see how they built sets and how you know all their raised plat like Yoda's. Looking at any of the Leica stuff? Oh yeah, all that. But like Yoda's little hut right. on that fully raised platform with Frank Oz being a weirdo underneath and stuff. It's the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's mud and real snakes and stuff. They actually had animals and water everywhere. One of the things I loved about so the good. Dark Crystal is all these little tiny, oh yeah, the ancillary little... animals that yeah doing their doing their thing around that are background that if they weren't there, something would feel off, but you might not notice it. It's yeah, like right, a, yeah. that stop motion of you know the Wallace and Gromit stuff, where Wallace and Gromit are sitting there and he's talking about Wensleydale cheese and Gromit's just tapping his fingers on the on the table but in the background you know you can see the clouds gently moving through the sky there's a drip of water coming out of the faucet that'll get yeah. bigger and bigger until it drops the curtains are just gently moving because the yeah, air's going the clock the second hand on the clock on the walls moving I mean the attention to detail is, yeah. is what yeah. know, blows me away break that down to frame to frame to frame yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting isn't it to have that overall view but then be able to drill down and be it's right all those thing. little things yeah. inside the big thing yeah. that, that really fill it out and 
make it a mouthful. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. But it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's nice, is even like, if the Onyx movie is the only movie I ever get around to doing that's 100% my own, more than, you know, it's it's still, at least, I could say I did all the practice, like that was, the Onyx is my thing, right? Like, I did all the effects for that movie. That was my project, my company's project, we did it all. And I could say I did the effects for a movie. And even if, you know, that's as far as I go, that's still... That's pretty great. And, I mean, the whole point of all this, right, is to be in cinema history because it lasts forever, right? And and the Onyx movie is is at least something of my own, right? It's my first thing that's not me just as an employee where I can go, you know, in 10 years from now, in 20, 50 years from now, someone will be like, whoa, I love the effects that that studio did on that movie, just like we do of Rob Bottin's work on The Thing, you know? Not like it's as good as The Thing, but... It's my own little project, right? That's like... You're young. Somewhere out there, there's going to be someone who's like, I love that devil, right? Or I love that box demon. I'm, I was it for Halloween. Yeah, you'll see, you know? you'll see someone's tattoo with that one day. You'll be like, oh, you know. That's, yeah, that's what I'm waiting one for. One of your ghouls. Yeah, <laughs> and then when I'm broke and everyone doesn't like fine. me, I'll just be signing photos of it at a booth at some monster con, and I'll be set. <laughs> I next to Butch Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's all I need, right? I need the. I need to be able to have one booth at a at a at a monster con when I'm 60, and as long as I can make money for the trip, I'll be good. So I need to have enough accomplishments in my life to have that. <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I think that that's amazing. That's a good button right there. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you guys. I'm gonna turn the AC back on now. So there we go. He's pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> I wasn't too gushy, I hope, but you get my point. It's very hard to be. When I'm really impressed with something, though, it's I don't feel the need to edit myself too much and, and withhold. Yeah. I think it's. But I think one of the one of the key takeaways from our conversation is that, you know, yeah, we all think that our work isn't good enough. You know, we all have self doubts about things, but persevere. Do it anyway. Do yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Just keep keep plugging, and it doesn't. You know, don't don't work to make things that you think other people want to see do your work make what you want to make and if you know if you're doing it right your enthusiasm your passion is going to shine through it mm. and other people are going to like it also yeah but do it for you yeah it's really inspired me to try and make more puppets i mean we, we talked a little about i showed him a little hand thing that i, mm-hmm. I started do you ever see my my Take on Muppets, my, my Frankenstein's monster puppet I downstairs. Did. Can we take some pictures of that and do yeah, a little video the fir- for the that's podcast? the first puppet I ever made. We should have a little play with that. I think that would be quite fun to do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did see it, but I've never I've not played with it. But uh, yeah, it's heavy. stuff like that. Okay. It's heavy. I've learned a lot since okay. since I built that one. All right. You well, know, that, that one will give you a good upper body workout. Yeah, it's given me some ideas about some things we could do with this podcast for all your puppets. Because the thing about puppet is, is you get so much stuff for free. In, uh, in the way that digital stuff, I guess if you did motion capture, you might. But with a puppet, you get a performer's reaction in the moment. You know, and, and good puppeteers are basically actors. You watch, sure. like, you know, there's there's good footage of like Chris Clark, you know, with you know, when he's doing, on when he's doing the horse from um, War Horse, when yeah. he's doing Joey. Holy shit! You know, until you the camera pulls back and you see you him it's behind the horse doing this stuff. Yeah, you think it's a real horse because he's got all the the facial nuance and doing things that horses do. Yeah, and but when you when you see you know them animating a character, often he's they're 
pulling the face because you're living it because you're sort of performing it you are yeah. actually performing it you know via vicariously through your thumbs into the servos um, but when you have a hand in a puppet I mean I remember I did one day shoot uh, it, was a, it was a photo shoot on Star Wars I think it was Solo and uh, you see you had all these characters in makeup and just did one day application and stick around for the day and there were some characters where they were big masks and they had animatronic elements and it looked like they were makeups because they were faces but the face was just too far up from the human head to be yeah. a real head um, and there were some other sort of hand puppet things so that stuff was all headed up by Neil Scanlon and I remember him saying about there's no jeopardy okay. there's no jeopardy involved so you need to kind of do that if you're if you're working freelance you'll have your external things in but if you're trying to do it yourself you have to kind of set yourself I think time limits you know so yeah no I, I think yeah you've got to got to give yourself a schedule and meet your schedule you are your own boss and you've got to satisfy yourself by meeting those those goals if you're making a, a short film from scratch you've got to set your deadlines for getting the, having the script done and approved and you know at some point you gotta finish the script so you can shoot it yeah but, but people are listening to this thing and oh I'm not gonna make a film don't matter you might make a nose yeah you know, think of a little thing for the whatever task you've set for yourself give yourself a schedule to follow yeah uh, and I think including in that uh, a location where you're gonna photograph it as well it's the only way to be productive yeah yeah have a, have a, have a plan and yeah it's like we've pretty much set ourselves a schedule for what we wanted to do this week and we've done it yeah and it's nice because that way you know you're making progress I think it's quite nice to have a checklist to tick things off mm -hmm. you know you have your main task and you break that task down into a series of smaller tasks and then as you wade through them you just tick them off you can actually see the progress if you try and hold that in your head you, you lie to yourself you think oh no I didn't really do that properly or I forgot that I did that so you don't really keep track of it but if it's on paper in front of you you know you can see I've done that it feels good yeah uh, and invariably you'll find that there are extra steps you didn't anticipate but that's the thing isn't it it's yeah. not knowing everything but I think starting small is good and if you can't make a film yet because you're not at that stage maybe you don't want to be a filmmaker try making a nose I'm quite evangelical about this making noses mm. is a yeah. if you want to make prosthetics I think making a nose is make a good, a way good to start. nose that you'll put on somebody then they won't be able to tell that somebody's wearing a false nose yeah give yourself a week plaster nose sorry plaster mold plaster, plaster nose cast sculpt it mold it in plaster get a latex out stick it on paint it up you do that in a week cost you pennies yeah um, and you'll find out what you don't know very quickly uh, rather than saying oh my first thing is going to be an entire hunchback of Notre Dame suit <laughs> well, it's yeah, probably no. not gonna yeah, no. you know don't bite off more than you can chew yeah because it's a it's, it's a it's in it it's a, a good way I think of avoiding doing stuff because you can just kid yourself there's too much to do so that's why I think it's good to start small which is why when you see the amount of stuff that Adam's done it's like Jesus man how can you call yourself <laughs> lazy yeah. well and with that since I'm losing you today sorry man yeah I'm heading back to Texas but it's been great it's been really good but now let's go, let's go downstairs and scan some shit alright sounds good you can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com <coughs> check the show notes for more information if you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening. I'm